Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery Ups and Downs. I am Sean Ferrick. If you were here last week or for the Lower Deck series, you will hopefully know who I am. And if you're joining us for the first time, you're very welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Before anything else, let's get straight into Ups and Downs for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 2, Far From Home, Spider-Man 3. I don't really know, Chris. Please get to the credits. So this week we get the USS Discovery, which is nice in a show called Discovery. So last week you'll remember that I was, I missed the Discovery. Well, we get her in her full glory here and she comes walloping out of that wormhole. So first of all, you look around, you see that all of the crew are passed out and for a moment in Oasicon and Detmer's cases, dead. But no, they're just having a sleep with their eyes open. So then they come rushing out, as I say, everyone jumps to a Saru, boss mode engaged. He starts being the captain, as he should, and gets everyone to where they're supposed to be, gets all of their, you know, psyches pumped, if you like. Basically, they're all gonna die if they don't do their job. So come on, guys, hop to it. That entire scene, including the crash, which follows just a couple of minutes into the episode, is just, spectacular. We have huge clumps of asteroids that Discovery smashes through, proving that that ship can take a hell of a beating. Detmer comes up with the brilliant idea of rolling the ship so that the the heat is focused on the dorsal side, which is where they've got the stronger protection, if you like, even though that's where the bridge is, but hey, well-built bridge. She brings the ship down as safely as you can crash land a ship and I'm delighted to say everyone gives her a big round of applause, which is more than Deanna Troy got for landing the Enterprise D. That whole entire sequence for me is the first massive up for this week. It was spectacular, it was cinematic, and it's what we've come to expect from Star Trek Discovery. Straight away, we then get back into seeing the different characters start to come to terms with where they are. Now Detmer, she got thrown right over the con console and she's got a nasty gash in the side of the head. She's walking around with what looks to be clearly a concussion, or at least 
that's what we're led to believe it is. Now, Oisakon, she notices this straight away. She says, get your ass to sickbay. Saru, slightly more diplomatically, says, get your ass to sickbay. And so off she goes. Well, they take a sort of an inventory of what's going on. And basically nothing's working. The ship is a dead piece of metal stuck in a glacier. And oh my God, we're back to Iceland again. And it's fantastic. Now, one criticism against the first couple of seasons of Star Trek Discovery which I believe is fair, is that it's been thin on the ground in character development. You get characters like Michael and characters like Saru who get loads to do, and then you get characters like Detmer and Oasisgon who got very little to do. And it looks like, hopefully, judging by this episode alone, that they're going to turn that around. Now, there's one character who has suffered the most from this, and I will get to that character in a moment, but it's starting off well here. So the way that the characters are being shown, especially Saru getting into boss mode, I'm giving that an up as well this week. So it's a strong start to this week's episode. The next up that I have coming is for Wilson Cruz as Hugh Culber in this episode. Now, I have to say, I love this character. I was one of the vocal many who were not happy when they killed his character in season one. And although we got him back in the last season, I didn't love the where they took his character, the kind of the trauma he went through. I get it. You go back from the dead, you're traumatic. Who hasn't come back from the dead on a Saturday morning after a heavy Friday? However, in this scene between him and Stamets, it looks like they really have a real relationship. They have couples banter, even though it's doctor-patient. It's really comfortable, it's really pleasant, and for me, it's an up. Now, there was one moment when the ship crashed that Mmm, wasn't loving. And it was Reno's joke about her back. Now, bear with me, bear with me. The rest of the humour in the episode with Reno, I feel is great. I feel it's really good balance. I feel she and Stamets work really, really well together. Tignataro is brilliant. I thought if that joke had been maybe on its own, it could it, it did kill the tension a little bit. But it was also maybe a bit poorly timed over. I don't know, I just didn't think it really fit the scene. And I nearly considered giving it a down. But the way that she interacts with Samus for the rest of the episode completely makes up for that. We have Saru is inspecting the ship. He's bringing Tilly around. Tilly is very clearly shaken by what's going on around her. Absolutely big shout out to Mary Wiseman this week. She is great. Tilly, Tilly can be Marmite. She can. It could be a lover or a hater kind of a situation. I really liked her in this episode because she's still she's still Tilly, but she's just a little bit more reserved than she has been before in a very believable way in this kind of situation. She's on the bridge surrounded by those rocks that Starfleet builds its consoles out of. And, you know, for a good chunk of the episode, she doesn't come out of that panic shell. And Saru sees this, and Saru, again, Captain Material, chooses to bring her on the away mission, I suppose, recon mission. They find that the uh, the material they're looking for, um, what's it called, the, uh, I think it's the solid state of that Ribena drink when it's, uh, when it's been uh, mineraled. Ribenium, that's the one. They have to go and find some of this because that will allow them to rebuild the missing components in their communications array. What they do then is get interrupted by 
poor character design. I can feel the crosshairs on the back of my head from the rest of the team at What Culture and Trek Culture because I'm standing on an island for this one. I don't love Giorgio. I love Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh is brilliant, okay? There's no question there, but Giorgio... When you think of the Mirror Universe episodes, the original series, DS9, you know, you think of these absolute scenery-chewing characters and actors, right? And it's, and it's grand, it's cool. Think of the Intendant, Nana Visitor, absolutely. If it's not bolted to the ground, she's chewing it, all right? And that's fine because that exists in its own little pocket in those individual episodes. We're pushing a season and a half with Giorgio is evil. All right, so she rocks up covered in Leland and what could have been a gag is just like, but of course she's covered in viscera and entrails. What else would she be covered in? And I feel Giorgio, out of all of the characters, has suffered the most from two-dimensional character writing. I know they're trying to do a relationship between her and Burnham, which is maternal. It's just, it's not quite there yet. When she rocks up in the saloon, put a pin in that. Let's talk about the saloon. So Saru and Tilly, they go out and they hit the black soil. Again, Iceland, love it. And they start to follow somebody. Tilly is expressing this panic that she's feeling. Saru is helping her get it out. It's a, it's a lovely scene between the two of them. They follow this figure in a black cloak to this old Wild West style saloon bar. It's a really cool scene. It's a really cool setting. And these miners, as we discover they are, they very quickly, you know, they're all friends, basically. Now that does bring me to a down, all right? And it's just, it's a logic down. So Saru has made a point of, he doesn't want to tell people where they're from. He doesn't want to tell people when they're from. He doesn't ask them what year it is. They sit there long enough for Cal the miner to rebuild Tilly's tool for her, but they don't see if there's a map. It just, it's, it's a little bit of a logic gap for me, and for me, that is a down. I think Saru would be smarter than that. Stamets gets up into the Jeffrey's tube. Culber's not very happy when he finds out about that, but in there, that humor, that scene, for me, sold up. It's a really, really good exchange between Stamets and Reno. They make a very good team. And when Culber arrives to give out stink to Stamets, that is only adds to it as well. Love that scene. Love that interplay between the three of them. It's very, very good. Okay, back to Giorgio. Surprising absolutely nobody. She arrives in the bar and... We have not one minute ago seen Zara, played by the great Jake Weber, you probably know him from 13 Reasons Why or Homeland, has just used his horrible disruptor weapon to kill that minor Cal uh, in, a, in a death that reminds me a little bit of the Varro T disruptor from the most toys from the next generation. I mean, it's a really slow and horrible death. It's just, yeah. But thankfully he chose to lower the setting before shooting at Giorgio, a character he has just met and doesn't know anything more than she annoys him. This is plot armor worthy of Jon Snow, okay? It's just annoying. I'm not saying I want Giorgio's character killed, of course I don't, but do you see what I'm saying here? This kind of like, oh, well, this gun does this to you, but it does something different to you, and it's purely because 
she's a main character. And actually, there's something I want to address here in general, because it's something I didn't address last week, and it's the kind of casual murders that goes on. So you'll remember if you watch the Lower Decks uh, ups and downs, Lower Decks, Lower Downs, I gave Mariner a down for the wanton murder of all the holograms, but I didn't give Burnham a down for the casual murder last week. Last week I sort of felt, well, she's being chased, they're trying to kill her, she's fighting back. You know, I sort of got a pass on that one. But this time Giorgio comes in and gets the upper hand and they beat seven levels of, out of all of the guys there and, you know, casually murders them all. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, she would do that but because she will do absolutely nothing else because what else would that character do? I say this with hope because again, don't waste Michelle Yeoh. I'm giving Giorgio a down for this episode in the hopes that in season three, we're going to see some better character development and better writing than we have seen so far. There is a Lovely, lovely thing. Just before Stamets leaves that Jeffrey's tube. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to open the panel, right? And Reno shouts up at him, use your multi-tool. And for a moment, I had the fear that he was going to pull out one of those magical anything tools from Star Trek Picard, which I didn't like then, I don't like now. But he doesn't. He pulls out a goddamn sonic screwdriver. I mean, that is a sonic screwdriver. I mean, Doctor Who is alive and well in 3188. But if I can't give that an up, we'll find out when Chris makes his decision, and that's quite all right. What I do want to give an up to is something that fills that scene and many others in this episode, and that is the absolutely stellar score from Jeff Russo. And you must keep in mind that Star Trek Discovery is one of the few shows this year so far that has had its entire post-production done post-lockdown. So that means all the visual effects have been done from home, but so have the scoring sessions. All of these musicians have had to put their bits together, get sent in, and Jeff Russo has made a blinder of a score from that. It's beautiful music, and that on its own deserves an up. The final scene of the episode has the crew back together on the bridge and they're trying to break the Discovery free from parasitic ice. Now, anyone who's ever tried to start their car at about six o'clock in the morning during the winter knows all about parasitic ice. It's no joke. Absolutely nobody was surprised by this. That tractor beam, it's coming from Michael Burnham's ship. It's a lovely scene. I, I gave out last week that, you know, we didn't see Discovery. Maybe it would have been nice to see Discovery arrive last week, but this ending scene, it feels so heartwarming and so genuine that it sort of makes up for that. I love the ending of this episode. It got me right in the feels, right in the C, as I would have said last week. I guess this week it's an S. S for, S for sappy, but I like it. So it's a beautiful, happy ending, and I'm really, really excited to see where this season is going. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.